what makes a good YouTube title. And many people, Pat Flynn and Dara Leaves uh, included, they have said it's, it's one thing. It comes down to one thing. And that is... So to start, just uh, give us a little bit of a, a little rundown where you are and like what you do. Yeah. So I'm Jake Thomas. Um, I help people write better YouTube titles. So I used to work for a fishing company and uh, I ran the, uh, the YouTube channel there. And that was my first, uh, that was my first job in YouTube. I've done like a lot of other marketing stuff, but that was my first time as a YouTube channel manager. And my boss was a really good copywriter. And he kind of beat into my head the importance of writing a good YouTube title. And at first I was like so bad that uh, I almost got fired. So we had like a 90 day tryout period. And uh, yeah, so bad at writing YouTube titles. I almost got fired. I eventually figured it out. And uh, it was just like a couple like little easy tricks. And it's like, okay, cool. Like this is how you write a good YouTube title. Like no one taught me. And uh, so I had to figure it out myself. And I was like, well, like it's market's kind of open for like someone to become like a YouTube title, like kind of like just kind of uh, own that space. So I started doing kind of like internally what we were doing. I started a newsletter around that and uh, people seemed to like it. And so now all I do is uh, study YouTube titles all day. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's a cool story of getting started. You ran the YouTube channel. What did you do on that end of things? Yeah. So we were a fishing, uh, fishing company and we had... Um, we had like four or five fishing coaches. So they would go out and make cool videos. They'd either do like kind of talking head tutorials on how to tie knots or like kind of lure reviews. Uh, but they also would like go and like film their fishing trips. So they were the ones doing all the fun stuff. And then I was, um, I was sitting at home on my laptop doing all the hard work. Uh, so they would send me the videos. I'd put them on YouTube. Um, I'd make the thumbnail, the title, the description for that. And then I'd also send them out uh, as an email and, I would put them on our blog as well. So I was just kind of, they were having all the fun and I was, uh, I was putting it out there on the internet. Oh, awesome. You got to watch them have fun. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like living vicariously through them, uh, which was cool, but still like we'd be in our team meetings and they'd be like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to go on the water three times this week and I'm going to try to film this and that. And I was just like, all right, well, cool. Well, I'm uh, not going to be fishing this week. I'm going to be working. So you guys have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel you i work in a, a bike shop and the uh the programs people the uh guides always come in and talk about their adventures it's like ah <laughs> just want to get out there right yep exactly so you did like the packaging and like the marketing for the videos is that how important do you think that is in getting your video to more people's uh people's computers very very important um you know if if someone determines whether or not they're going to watch your, your 20 minute or your 10 or 20 minute video, just based on the title topic and thumbnail, um, also based on like you as a creator, but, um, but yeah, if you do a bad job with your title and thumbnail and your topic, then, you know, so in like the case of the fishing uh, company, if I did a bad job with the title and thumbnail, then they would have wasted a whole day on the water, uh, driving to the water, uh, spending all their time in the water, filming, editing, doing all the stuff, they would have wasted a couple hundred bucks and we would have like, we wouldn't get any, any benefits from that. So, uh, so yeah, it's super important. Um, and also it's, it's really cool how big of an effect that just like a couple words can make on your YouTube title. So one of my favorite examples is from the YouTube channel, pay it forward. And they published two videos back to back. 
it was iOS 15 settings you should turn on and iOS 15 settings you should turn off. So there's one word difference in that title, but that one word uh, was a difference of 6 million views. So one of the, one of the views or the, the video about turning on this, on the settings got 700,000 views. The video about turning the iOS 15 settings off got like 7 million views. So, uh, so that one word was a difference of like 6 million views. And if you're looking at an R at like an RPM of $4, and if you're only looking at AdSense, that's probably like a $24,000 word. So, uh, so that's, wow. like, and that's also the cool thing about titles is that like, you don't have to be good at graphic design or Photoshop or Canva or anything. Like I'm terrible. I have like a terrible eye for design, but like anybody can like bang on a keyboard and be like on or like off or like just, just writing a couple of words can make a huge difference. That's really interesting. I wonder why that's like such a difference. Was it like the negative, I guess? <laughs> yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, uh, we're like kind of genetically listened, uh, genetically wired to listen to warnings. Um, so like pretend that you and I, uh, were in like a cave, you know, we live in the stone age and I'm like, Hey, Owen, there's, um, there's a saber toothed tiger outside. Don't go outside. You're definitely going to listen to me. But if I'm like, Hey, Owen, there's some berries outside. You should go pick them. Like you might listen to me. Uh, so we're like, we we're genetically listened to warnings. So when you say like, Hey, you should turn off these iOS 15 settings. It's like, Oh shoot. Like what, what am I missing out? Like what's going on here? What could happen? Uh, so yeah, people just, we love like negativity. It's a great way to get people's attention and get people to click. So yeah, I think that was the biggest difference. Um, huh. and also if you sort their, uh, videos by most popular, many of their most popular videos are about turning settings off. Um, very few are about turning settings on just turning things off works really well. That's really interesting. That's not something that I think most people would like immediately think of when writing a YouTube title either. Like you said earlier, just negative works really well. I mean, people don't really like to, uh, you know, they don't want to be like, oh, my channel is all about positivity or, um, you know, I don't want to be a fear mongerer or I don't want to use that kind of clickbait crap, but it does work really well. <laughs> so, um, and also like settings you need to turn off or settings you need to turn on. Like that's not exactly like an, an aggressive fear monger, uh, fear monger kind of title, but it is just using that really, um, the really powerful emotion of fear. Um, huh. so, so yeah, I mean, just, yeah, I see it all the time. Videos about negativity work really well. Huh. Yeah. But there's a balance between like, um, going like into the deep end of negative and then just having like a, a thing that's like framed as negative. So people think it is, but then it's actually like kind of spun in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite ways to do that, um, is to kind of tell your own story to, turn that like fear and really the aggression dialed down. So you could be like, um, uh, there's a video from, uh, I think it's backfire YouTube channel. It's eight hunting rifles. I regret buying. And that doesn't sound too bad, but if it was eight hunting rifles, you will regret buying. That sounds a lot more aggressive. And like, you're talking at somebody it's like, Hey, you know, don't do this. You're kind of preaching. But if you share your story, say, you know, these are the hunting rifles that I regret buying it just feels a lot less preachy, a lot less fear-mongery and aggressive. Um, but you're still using that really powerful negative emotion of fear. Yeah, that makes sense. It also seems like people like numbers. Have you noticed that? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, so nerdy stat for you. Um, so I have a database of like 350 kind of viral-ish videos um, using the 
viral word loosely here. Um, but uh, yeah, 48% of the videos have a number in them. Huh. So yes, That's I really do, do agree with you. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. They all seem to seem like a similar format. Is there like kind of like a, a little recipe for the uh, YouTube title? Yeah, there, there are many recipes. Um, and so that, that was like kind of the, the thing that kept me from getting fired at my job for the fishing company is kind of just like copying recipes. So we were, uh, my boss was on a, a hunting podcast and he was talking to the guy who runs a podcast and the guy was like, Hey, we did a podcast about newbie hunting gear and that worked really well. So my boss came back. He's like, Hey, let's do a podcast about newbie fishing gear. So we did. And it's like, we're copying the same recipe, right? Like, like you said, and that was our best podcast for like the last like two months when we did that. Um, so that was like the secret that like really <laughs> turned things around for me is like, okay, like people are like people kind of no matter what they're, what industry they're in. And like these, uh, just kind of these like recipes, if you will, like they just work kind of no matter what. So the easiest way to get better at writing YouTube titles is just to copy what works in a different industry, right? We were in the fishing industry and they were in the hunting industry and um, they're similar, but different. Um, but also like that recipe, you know, newbie gear would probably work well for newbie biking gear, um, newbie like lacrosse gear, uh, newbie, um, you know, uh, uh, camera making or like video making gear, like all that stuff. Um, so yeah, there are definitely recipes that work uh, really well, no matter what industry you're in. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely seen all of those in all of those industries. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> part of all of those. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting how you can just really repurpose things and then people still click on them. Are there other phrases or I guess techniques? You mentioned the negativity and the numbers. What else is there that um is like good to incorporate in a YouTube title to make it a bit more successful? Yeah. So broadly speaking, uh, I think like the easiest way to I'd kind of identify a good YouTube title is, uh, or the easiest way to explain what makes a good YouTube title is that it has three emotions. I call them the three clickworthy emotions. It's curiosity, fear, and desire. And usually it's curiosity plus fear or curiosity plus desire. Um, so we talked about negativity, um, you know, earlier. So that's, that's fear. Um, and then desire, just thinking about like benefits and, um, like, uh, you know, what, like your audience's hopes and dreams, kind of that stuff works well. Um, and that's kind of obvious, right? Um, but then curiosity is like the biggest driver of clicks. So I've talked to um, a lot of like really smart YouTube strategists, people like Daryl Eves and Pat Flynn. And whenever I talk to them, I always ask them one question is, and that's like, how do you write a good YouTube title or what makes a good YouTube title? And many people, Pat Flynn and Daryl Eves, uh, included, they have said it's, it's one thing. It comes down to one thing and that is curiosity. So, uh, if you can learn how to master curiosity, then you are going to be, uh, better than most people, um, at writing YouTube titles. And you're going to set yourself up for success for, uh, for YouTube. And no one really talks about like how to do that. Um, so a couple, uh, couple, um, uh, tactical ways to actually build curiosity is opening up a loop. So that's like starting a story, um, but not finishing it. So 
couple of examples here. Um, here's a YouTube title. It was from a, an NBA channel and it was Bronny James finally did it. Uh, so that opens up a loop. Like you read that title and you're like, what did he do? <laughs> um, so it starts a story, but it doesn't finish it. So like you really, you really have to click there. Um, and you've got to find out what's going on. Um, this simple trick makes your bathroom and toilet smell amazing. It's like, okay, what is that simple trick? Um, again, it opens up a loop, starts a story, but it doesn't finish it. So you've got to click and got to find out. Um, you can also reveal a secret, you know, like we're all kind of like, uh, like, you know, we're all nosy. <laughs> so like pretend that like you're at a party and somebody's in the back of the room and they, you know, put their hand over the mouth and they start whispering, like everybody's going to turn around and be like, Oh, you're talking about me. Like, what are you, what are you guys talking about? So if you can like tell your audience that you have a secret in your YouTube title, uh, it's like whispering at the back of the party. Like everybody on the YouTube homepage is going to give you their attention and they're going to want to click and see, Hey, like, what are you talking about? What's going on here? Um, a couple like different ways of using secrets is like, you can kind of just be like obvious, um, and say, Hey, I have a secret, like the secret too. Um, or in this example, piano's darkest secret. Um, so that's using, uh, revealing a secret. Um, you can also, uh, here's another one, the ugly truth of entrepreneurship. You don't see it's like, you know, here's the truth about something. The truth about is a, is another like uh, really common, um, really common recipe there. But, uh, but yeah, the ugly truth that you don't see kind of feel like you're getting insider information when you read that title. It's like, Oh, what is, what's, what's actually going on here? What's the truth about entrepreneurship that most people don't see. So those are a couple, like two of the most popular ways of building curiosity is opening up a loop and then uh, revealing a secret. That makes a lot of sense. I've definitely seen all of those things in YouTube titles, but it's like not something you immediately register as like curiosity or as fear. It's like, you just kind of see it and you're like, oh, I want to click this, but you don't like think about the title, which is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, once like, you know, like kind of these, so I'm calling them like click triggers, um, like what makes you actually click. So revealing a secret, um, opening up a loop, a couple other ones are like time frames. So like, um, you know, how to get a six pack in six weeks. So like time frames make, uh, things feel more tangible and they make big goals feel more achievable. So it's like, man, I don't want to like diet and like work out forever. But if you say how to get a six pack in six weeks, it's more like, all right, cool. Like I can go on a diet for six weeks. I can work out for six weeks. Um, just makes it feel way more achievable. Yeah. Um, and when, so, uh, yeah, once you like kind of know what these click triggers are, then you start seeing them all the time. And oftentimes I'll be like checking out a YouTube channel and I'll just, I'll see a title and like, without even like looking at the, the views, I'm like, Oh, this is a good one. And then you look, and this one has like, you know, 500,000 views and like all the other videos on the channel have like two, uh, like 20,000 views or something. And like these, these click triggers work like often, like no matter what industry you're in. And, uh, cause it's just psychology, right? Like people are people, no matter, no matter what they're, what industry you're what they're in. That's really interesting. Most people don't, I feel like think about it from like the psychology view. You haven't studied that. Have you, you seem to know a, a good, good bit about it. So I actually have a degree in psychology. Um, <laughs> I thought you <laughs> might. <laughs> well, all right. So I, I don't really talk about it because I don't remember anything from school. Uh, I graduated like eight years ago and um, I have a degree in psychology, but I, like a lot of it was like clinical psychology and I don't know, stuff that I don't, I just have 
no idea what I studied. And I just kind of like scraped by in school. And now I'm like actively studying what makes titles work on YouTube. And it's just through like compiling, you know, hundreds of viral videos and like trying to find the patterns between those where I'm actually like writing about them every day and like putting them into action and my YouTube channel and my clients, YouTube channels and, uh, and like actually like really like feeling them work as opposed to like just sitting and learning about stuff that, uh, that I didn't really care about in, in college. So it is a little different, but yes, I, I do have a degree in psychology, but I don't remember anything from school. <laughs> that's funny. Maybe there's some, uh, some stuff hidden back there. That's just like second nature. Or something. Maybe that's a very, uh, it's a very psychological, uh, term there. Maybe it's like in my unconscious, yeah. uh, whatever. See, I don't, I don't remember any, any of that stuff though. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so funny. So you have a newsletter. What inspired you to like start, I guess, making a newsletter and um, teaching people about writing YouTube titles? Uh, do you want the business reason or like the the social, uh, the cool, the nice reason? A uh, bit of both maybe. <laughs> All right. So we'll do the the business reason first is that I have a, a blog. It's a dog blog. It's about golden retrievers. And I hate uh, relying on Google for my traffic. Um, so I've, I've had it for three years now and I've gone through a couple of Google updates and every time Google changes my traffic and therefore my income drastically changes. So, um, the first Google algorithm update I went through, I got like 50% more traffic overnight. I was like, Holy crap, this is awesome. Like I, I'm the man, I'm really good at SEO. And then a couple of months later, I got another update and like my traffic went down by 50% again. And I was like, this is stupid. I don't know anything about SEO. I hate this. And uh, so I just, I, I, I hate relying on Google for uh, like to determine my, uh, my income. So I was like, all right, let me find something that's a little bit more evergreen and not, or not, not evergreen, but like a little bit like less reliant on Google or less reliant on, on an algorithm. So, and I, I wanted to write a newsletter. And uh, internally at my job, like every Monday morning, we had a, uh, a meeting like, all right, what videos are we going to make this week? Uh, it was me meeting with the, uh, the content team, with the fishing coaches. And so I would pull in like a bunch of other good YouTube videos from other channels and other industries. And I kind of like, uh, you know, kind of mold them for our, um, for our channel. So we were in fishing. So I might go to a fitness channel and it would be like, um, you know, 10, uh, 10 ways to get bigger biceps in two weeks or whatever. So I might be like, all right, well, cool. Let's do 10 ways to catch more redfish in two hours. Um, so, you know, kind of following that same formula and that worked really well for us. And then I was thinking like, okay, this is working well for us in fishing. And like, it kind of works for any industry. I wonder what would happen if I sent this out to other people. It's like, Hey, here are, you know, a couple of videos that are worth modeling that did really well. Um, and you know, here's why they worked. And, uh, you know, you can kind of just like steal these. So I sent out like a hundred, like cold messages and a couple of people got back to me and they're like, Hey, this is a great idea. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll sign up for sure. So yeah, so that's how it started. I was just doing it internally. Um, and then I asked people if it would help them, uh, and if they would, if they would read it and a couple of people really liked it. So I was like, cool, let's do it. Um, so that was like, that kind of got me started. And then Recently, now that I have a little bit of momentum, uh, people have been sending me screenshots 
of like, hey man, like I use one of the videos from your newsletter and the video is a one out of 10. Uh, so that has been super cool. Um, just like seeing people uh, use what I'm creating and actually like having it making a difference in their businesses. Um, and uh, and like just seeing them like how happy and like people are like, oh, I, like, I didn't think it was possible, but like my video did better than last week's. Um, so that, that's been cool, cool. So I've been, I've been enjoying actually helping people now um, and that's, that's been like, like, uh, satisfying for me, but also I've been learning a ton just from like studying YouTube and then having to teach it. And that's helped my skills grow as well. That's awesome. That's so cool. Being able to see people, um, just like immediately be like, this worked. And then they like tell you about it. That's awesome. That must be yes. so rewarding. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. I've been getting tagged on Twitter for like the like a couple of weeks, like almost every day now, people are like, Hey Jake, like I did this and it worked. Or like people are like sending me like an email, like, Hey, like I used this from the last week's email and it, and it worked really well. It's another one out of 10. So yeah, that's, that's been super cool. That is really cool. So you study, you study the uh, YouTube titles. Do you see like trends as like time goes on of the words that people use in their titles changing and like what works? Do you see that changing or is that relatively like stagnant? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so I've only been like intensely studying YouTube titles for a little over a year now. Um, I've been writing YouTube titles for like three or four, um, but uh, but like kind of you know, like really, really studying the trends. So I feel like it hasn't been that much time to uh, for things to change. But uh, when I think about like, buzzfeed articles from like 20 like 17 or 2015 or maybe like 2014 i don't know like kind of older older buzzfeed articles there was one trend and it was like uh 34 um movies you got to see this summer you'll never guess number three or something like that and that's like super clickbaity but that worked a lot uh, or sorry it worked really well back then um but then people kind of got uh kind of got like used to that, like, oh, it's like stupid, annoying clickbait. Um, and it was like, so, you know, what they were doing is like, you know, 34 movies you should see this summer. So like they're using like a list, like 34 movies. Um, they're using timeliness. So like you should see this summer, like if you publish that in June, like it's like, hey, like, you know, it's the summertime. Uh, you know, I need to watch these movies this summer. And then also they're using curiosity. They're opening up a loop. So you'll never guess number three. And they're using numbers too. So it's um, elements like that that are, you know, the kind of the click triggers that I just mentioned, those I think are going to be around forever. It's more of how you use those. Um, so I haven't really seen anything go out of style yet, um, but, uh, but those kind of like psychological elements of click triggers, I think they're going to be around forever because those are just curiosity. Um, or, sorry, those, that's just like psychology. But yeah, the, how you implement that, like, saying, you'll never believe this, uh, you know, people kind of get, uh, kind of catch on to clickbait or other, other different strategies. And they'll probably fade as, uh, you know, as everybody starts to use them. Um, but I think the underlying psychological elements of what make people click are always going to be there. Hmm. Yeah, I think so too. That makes sense that it would just kind of linger around because it's kind of how people are wired. Yeah, definitely. You know, Twitter is fascinating to me. There are some people on Twitter that have like outrageous amounts of followers or even just like a lot. Like I'll see people with like 100,000 to like even more, like a million and they'll get 
they'll post a tweet and it just gets like a few likes. It's very strange to me. Oh, Twitter. Yeah. Twitter is super interesting. Um, I think, uh, I've got a couple of theories on that. Um, some people, so like with any, like this happens with YouTube as well, is that, um, you, uh, like people don't unsubscribe that much. Like, yes, they do. But for like some YouTube channels, I'll see them. They have like 10, like, uh, like a million subscribers and their videos will only get like a thousand views. But then you look at their channel and their channel has been around for 10 years. So it's like, okay, cool. Like they've just been uh, like amassing, uh, subscribers over the years. And many of them aren't, aren't unsubscribing, but like, they just don't like, they don't watch their videos anymore. Um, so they have just like a pile of, they have hundreds of thousands of, of inactive subscribers. So I think that often goes on. And then also, you know, some people on Twitter, like they're famous for like other reasons outside of Twitter, like you said, and like, uh, so yeah, like the Twitter algorithm isn't like going to reward them. Uh, but then also you see like some smaller channels with like really active audiences. And sometimes those channels are like new and they'd have like a, so like, you know, they don't have a huge, like a dead weight of un- inactive followers. Um, but these, you know, they have just really engaged, uh, engaged followers, engaged audiences. So like they could tweet anything and like, they're instantly getting like hundreds of comments. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And like, there's very, there's a few like communities on Twitter, I feel like, but like recently the, the NFT photography, like that area has like exploded on Twitter. And I feel like it's kind of like, I don't know, it's bringing Twitter a different thing for sure. Twitter used to be a bit more like, I don't know. I feel like it used to be more like celebrity and just like, you'd follow people just to see what they say. But I feel like it's becoming more of like a, a mainstream social platform i don't know maybe not though yeah so i've only been on twitter for like maybe two years yeah me too. um and uh yeah i i I don't know so i don't don't know like what it what it used to be like but i got on twitter because i was like following people that were actually talking about things that i was interested like none of my friends talk about like building a business or like marketing or having a youtube channel or anything so i saw people like kind of being transparent on twitter and i was like wow this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I finally have like people who are doing the same thing as me. What's your goal with teaching people about YouTube titles and running your newsletter? Uh, Where are you trying to go with it? That's a great question. Uh, selfishly, I've been learning so much just by teaching people. Uh, and my little dog YouTube channel is growing a lot. So like, even if I don't do anything like monetarily with the newsletter and teaching people how to write YouTube titles, like I've learned so much and like that's brought a like a ton of like value like monetary value and like just skills forever um and a lot of people talk about like building in public like oh i'm gonna build this app in public but um i think that learning in public which is kind of like what i'm doing uh, is super valuable just just like for my own uh for my own like other like so i have like two businesses so um just from the dog thing like what i've learned is crazy and like now, like I'm hitting like record highs almost every month uh, and like in on my YouTube channel and also like for revenue. So, so that's been great. Uh, I don't uh, really know what I want to do, um, you know, besides, uh, you know, with the actual blog, um, doing a little bit of consulting. Um, I want to launch a course and uh, I actually just launched a, like a little like kind of software um, tool. 
So I don't know. I think that I used to want, I, if you asked me this like six months ago, I would say I want to like build it and sell it. But now I'm just enjoying doing it. I'm enjoying learning. I'm enjoying growing it. And uh, I don't know, hopefully for the next five or 10 years, I'll just be doing the same thing. Um, and uh, still like learning new stuff about psychology and, you know, uh, and, you know, still hopefully helping people and hopefully getting more people sending me screenshots of, Hey man, I use your, uh, I use your tips and I got a one out of 10 video. That's awesome. My titles are definitely going to be upgraded now. Let's hope I can, uh, <laughs> write some good ones from, from this podcast. This yeah, one yeah, hope so. especially better be good or it's going to be uh, <laughs> a little embarrassing. <laughs> All right. So I ask everyone at the end of the podcast, what is one thing under a hundred dollars that you would recommend everyone buy to just improve their lives or really anything? Uh, all right. This is kind of stupid. I I'm like definitely not a tool guy. So I'm the worst person to ask, but, uh, I recently bought a, like a, a, a an alarm clock, like not my phone. So I now sleep, I, I could turn my phone off every night and I put it in the kitchen and then I have my alarm on this like little, like digital alarm clock or whatever. And that has been great. I've been sleeping better and I've been motivated. Oh, I'm also like falling asleep faster because I'm not playing on my phone every night, sleeping better through the night. And, uh, I'm getting up quicker because I can't wait to check my phone in the morning. I'm like, Oh, what happened? Like, you know, did I get any DMS on Twitter? Or like, how did my, you know, how much money did I make yesterday and all that? Like, fun stuff all right so that's about the end of the podcast do you want to plug your uh, socials yeah yeah um yeah so you can the best place is to sign up for the newsletter at creatorhooks.com and that's free um and then also on twitter at uh, j thomas underscore underscore it was not very good planning on my part uh having two underscores on there looks stupid it's hard to remember uh but you can also search jake thomas on twitter and you should find a picture of a guy with a beard and a really cute golden retriever. And that'll be me. That's it for this episode. I thought it was a really great conversation with Jake. And I thought it brought some really good value to the conversation. You should be able to write some really good YouTube titles after that one. If you want more, he has a newsletter called Creator Hooks, where he recaps the titles from each week and make sure you have the most up-to-date information about how to write the best YouTube titles. So please subscribe and turn your notifications on so you know when the podcast is out each week. Thanks for listening.